Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome to this Monday edition of The Call. It's great to have your company as we kick off the week. A shortened week this week, so um, a bit to uh, to get through, but uh, kick off this Monday uh, with a terrific expert panel, Nathan Somersandaram from Deep Data Analytics. Nathan, good to see you. Good Happy you. Monday to you. And Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor. Gaurav, good to see you. Great to be here. Hello. All right, let's get stuck into it because Nathan has a bit of a show and tell oh, dear. he wants to talk about <laughs> yes. today. Yes. Now, hit us with it. This is... Oh, look, it's, it's one of those things where everyone tells you the whole V-shaped recovery. And yep. What is driving what? A simplistic equation. Just take the GDP, yep. remove the debt that's been added over the last 12 months, and you look at it through time. Right. So everything is relative, so you look through the whole cycle. So the chart should pop up. You can yep. see the, the blue line is when you remove the debt that you've loaded through the year. Right. And the red line is without any debt. It's just a standard GDP. Right. So you can see how much the GDP is being boosted by just government credit card. Right. Yep. That's pretty much it, right? Yep. Now the trick is, when does it catch up? Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at through history, when the red line jumps back up uh, into the positive area, it comes back to what it was pre whatever the crisis was. Yeah. Now, the, we should expect to see the numbers big uh, come through in the next couple of quarters, decent numbers, positive right. numbers. Yeah. So in that context, you've had substantial amount of debt. Right. So history is showing us you don't get that kind of quick bounce back without using ridiculous amount of debt, which yep. means the economy is not bouncing back as quickly. Like they did in 2007 exactly. and so nine. you can it, the, see it there. Yeah, so 2000, the dot-com bubble, and the previous yeah. one very similar, is in the 70s, right? Yep. we had the reflation problem, right? Yep. So it's a bit of a mix of both of those. Yep. It's not the GFC bounce because it was a structural problem, you fix it and you get the bubble back and then you rebuild. You went through that clean out right. and you go. So the problem here is, as you can see, we had the bounce back in Q3 yep. with, when you remove the debt out. In Q4, more debt. Yep. So what's gonna come up in the next couple of quarters is even more debt is gonna be used to bail out the economy. So the gap between the real recovery and the debt-ridden recovery is just expanding. So the reality is you're going to get so much more handouts for a lot longer than what people think because the underlying economy is not doing that well. Because all we're doing is removing the debt. We're not removing any of the multiplier effect or the Fed balance sheet that's gone in to boost it. All of those are stimulatory on top. So if you think about the US economy, the simple fact is just to get back to where we were in the decent normal growth rate, you still got 
10, in a double digit amount of recovery that has to play out. Right. That's going to take a, a few years without the help. So no government, especially when facing a midterm election in a couple of years, are going to not do that. So they will stimulate. So sure. they will put more and more debt, yeah. which will make the problem even bigger and bigger because nobody's going to go and put CapEx. So if you look at what's happening between CapEx versus buybacks, buybacks recovery is all time high. So the growth rate in 12 months right now in buybacks is huge and is growing, yeah. where CapEx is actually peaked and is falling. So what's happening is the cheap debt is getting the reverse of what you want. They're not investing to grow. They're actually just buying back more of their shares to make the asset bubble bigger. Right. Would you agree that there doesn't seem to be a consequences of, of lots and lots of debt? We're not saying inflation, bond yields, everyone's complaining about them, but yeah. they're very low. So this is the trick, right? It, it doesn't happen until it happens. Now, the bond market is telling you it's happening. Mm. Now, if you look at food prices, uh, transport prices, um, and if you look at freight prices, all of these things are going through the roof. Mm. It's not because of any supply side uh, reduction, it's just been shocks. Whether it's commodities, whether it's food, weather related, uh, transport, oil, canal, Suez Canal, uh, yeah. I mean, that's just Ships a bonus. Yeah, yeah. So all of these things are inflationary, right? So in that context, reflation is the bubble buster because okay. you can go inevitable. I mean, if the answer was just printing money, okay. everyone would solve it, right? right? So you just can't do it because they get to a point because US dollar is the global currency, right. they don't have the luxury of printing forever like okay. Japan. So what's it, the consequence you're saying is the good times aren't going to roll. No, it's, it's and been, not going to roll. Like, like yeah. a lot of fund managers are saying this is the start of the roaring 20s. Yeah. Sure. It's got to be massive. Yeah. You're saying no because of it's, the amount of debt a, that's stimulated. Exactly. And it's and, got to come back to bite. And you have to put even more debt. There is no other no. answer. You have to keep putting a lot of debt and you have to put even more debt than you've already used in the last 12 months because you're getting less of and less of a reaction from it. So okay, but you're keeping more businesses afloat, you're keeping more people uh, in work who are paying more in taxes. Yeah, but so shouldn't that be underpinning it? A lot of those are handouts, so they're not going to be taxed. Um, but in context, the rebound will, will start to happen, but it happened in the GFC a lot faster than it did in the previous cycles, in the dot-com and so forth. Why? Because they allowed the bad businesses to fall apart, and then the uh -huh. good business built. And this is what we're not doing. In Australia, we're not doing, and well, with JobKeeper going, it probably will happen. Yeah. Where in the US, they're still trying to keep it okay. going longer. So the problem here is, you are going through a cycle that people haven't seen for you know at least 20 to 40 years, yeah. and reflation is going to play out. And on the, on the market, central banks always tell you that, that it's not going to play out because they need people to be confident in spending. Yes. But inflation is picking up, real inflation. Yes, the core, when you ignore everything that actually goes up for real people, it doesn't go up, and that's fine. It hasn't gone up for 40 years. But the real inflation, nominal inflation, will go up. Okay. And that's where the cycle, so the stock selection, sector selection is going to be massive in the next decade. So It's a different cycle. So which sectors will benefit? I think the cyclical stocks. It's the right. boring cyclical stocks as the economy recovers. The, the high P, high growth stocks will struggle for a long period of time. If you look at what happened in the so reflation cycle. So you go your cycle, banks, your ansels. Banks are structurally struck, struggling businesses, but you've got your domestic industrials. You know, these yeah. guys who recover with opening economy. Hardies, better, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Right. Those guys are the ones that's going to be the pushers of the market over the next five to 10 years. It's not going to be, the next two to three years especially, mm. it's not going to be the tech stocks. Okay. 
Gaurav, agree or shoot him down? I'll, I'll just make two comments. First of all, being a pessimist over time has been has been absolutely the wrong the wrong way to think. Yeah. Um, no matter how smart the optimi- the pessimists sound, and Nathan certainly sounds like he's got a good argument. Um, no matter how good their data is, um, they're always wrong, and they're wrong because human ingenuity responds to pessimism and it comes up with solutions to battle all the problems that the pessimists base their arguments on. And I suspect that's going to be the case again this time. Yes, there are lots of problems with debt. People will solve them. People solve problems. I I don't disagree at (laughs) all. I'm not saying it's a pessimistic view. I just think you have to be really careful where you pick your winners yeah. from. Isn't that always the case? No, though? not really. If you looked at the last three, four years... Yeah, that's true. You could have picked any tech business, right? Yeah, yeah. All our models have almost zero tech exposure. Has been yeah, that's funny. We're, we're, we're through completely different means. We're giving you the same conclusions. Um, I reckon you can see, you can feel the bubble. You can feel the irresponsible behavior in the markets. Right. You, there, are, there are signals of it everywhere. It reminds me of 1999 um, so closely. And the lesson from there was when you feel all that exuberance, it's, it's definitely time to um, be cautious. The, right. the time to actually panic and the time to be cautious is when no one else is panicking yeah. and when no one else is exhibiting yeah. caution. Yeah. And that's certainly so what we're getting So you're going conservative too? We have gone conservative. So we, um, we don't own many high-tech businesses at all. We, a lot of our portfolios are filled with more conservative um, positions, but that's been our, our case for, um, for a little while now. Right. Um, so I, I, I don't think that's anything new, but the amount of... Um, fervor and speculative fever in the market. That is, that is no question that this is right. uh, top of the market kind of stuff. So have you gone to cash or? No, I, I think going to cash is, is almost always the wrong call. Right. Okay. Um, but just be more, just be more cautious and and consider your risk when yeah. p- other people aren't considering risk. Yeah, I right. think it, you've got to always think about risk weighted return yeah. rather than just thinking because as an investor, you're there. It's not religion. It's not being ideological. Yeah. It's about making returns. So always think about the risk-weighted return. Yeah. I think that's, in the next, I'd say, three to five years, risk management is going to be massive. And I mm. think it's been one of those uh, fine arts that's been ignored for over a decade because of just money printing. Yeah. It's going to be huge. And I think it'll slap a few people across the face okay. next year. All right. Good discussion. Glad you brought it up. Yeah, when uh, Gotham said... Oh, Nathan has got a chart he wants to talk about. Yeah, we were right. Yeah, my reaction to Orad was, oh, God, what's he going to do now? But that was really good. Maybe we should all get life jackets like uh, yeah. that. <laughs> That's right. Well, Bring one I'm, for all of us next time. Yeah, I'm a supreme optimist. So yeah. Oh, look, I think a long term, I don't think you, you have any choice but to be in equities. Mm. Yeah. Because inflation is going to be elevated. So to beat that, you have to take higher risk. And yeah. equities is the only place. Okay. It's just the short-term things that you have to manage. All right. Let's get into our stock of the day. Thought we'd take a look at Austal uh, in focus as it's begun construction of Austal's USA uh, new steel shipbuilding facility in Alabama to meet the increasing demand by the US Navy and Coast Guard vessels. Construction on the facility expected to co- uh, be completed in April 2022. Haven't looked at Austal for a while, yeah. Nathan. What do you think? Yeah, look, it's it's one of those. It was a hot stock when yeah. uh, Mr. Trump was running around creating trouble, um, and it's one of those things that you. It's a reverse. Well, I guess it's a trade for geopolitics and has been. Um, I know we've talked about it before. Yeah. They have to carry a lot of uh, 
capital, working capital to make yeah. this work. So when things are working well, these guys just yeah. absolutely ream it. Yeah. When things are not working well, the cost comes and slaps them across mm -hmm. the face. So it's, it's one of those things, you want to be there when everyone is pessimistic. And I'm, I'm always in this kind of market, going back to what we were talking about yeah, before, yeah. you're looking for non-economic correlated growth stocks. And funnily enough, this one is starting to look like, because they've had multiple downgrades. I mean, yeah. they keep doing stuff. Because this does here. look like a, yeah. out of favor by the So the it has had, and funnily enough, just the last couple of data points, the analysts are starting to tick it up. And we're starting to see some positive news. I think most of the negative news is mostly in the price. Now, the trick about them is obviously what happens to geopolitics. You know, they get, yeah. people are going to be building more stuff. All the signs are actually starting to improve. And I have to say, this is counter to what the market is doing at the moment. I would say, you don't want to go pick the bottom. Uh, but look, it's, it's come back away. You know, if you look at compared to what happened in the uh, pandemic crash as well, it's lower than that. Um, most of the analysts have actually started to tick up the numbers yeah. and they're winning a few deals and I, I think it's starting to look interesting. I, it's, it's one of those ones, if you just look at it straightforward, it just looks ugly, mm -hmm. but that's probably, a, and I've learned yeah. this from Gaurav, when it looks ugly, you have to look at it again. And I looked at it again and I looked through the analyst calls and the worst analyst, I think it has about 230, 240, and you go, oh, that's actually not too bad. You're below yeah. that. So. In, in, even in the spread, and it's actually quite a decent spread. If you're below that, the analyst yeah. is wrong, Nathan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't really care about the analyst's actual call, but I tend to look at the spread. Mm -hmm. They're between 230 to $4, right. the target prices. I mean, that's just, you know, it just comes down to the growth assumption. But, but yeah, look, but this thing, this is the beauty right. of it. When they get it right, it has a lot going for it. Yeah. But the fact that it's counter-cyclical and not linked to the economy, it actually works for me in this current market. I think... If they get a few things right, this could move, and I, I would actually start to buy a bit here. Okay. Um, and facility in the US means hopefully the Americans sort of defense says, okay, you're building here, we'll give you some contracts. They've got one in yeah. mobile in Alabama, so I think this is the second one, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Um, the, yeah, one of the issues with, with Austal, in fact, all defense contractors, is when you're supplying the American Defense Department, they insist on having um, some spare capacity always held. Um, so you're never running your factories at full tilt, you're never at full efficiency, and your returns yeah. on capital can never be as good as they would be if you're supplying the private sector. In return for that, you get surety and you get um, perhaps some pricing benefits as well. So there's a, there's a trade-off to be had there. Um, this is a much improved business. It's been a disaster for much of its existence. But what they're doing now, and, and I should add, there is a well-bidding technology here. Um, Austal is the global leader in aluminium hull ship mm. construction. It's a, it's a genuine art to, to mill and shape um, aluminium vessels so they cut through the water just so, you know, the right amount of speed yep. and the right amount of strength. And these guys do it beautifully. Um, they've shifted from really being a contract manufacturer to now supplying um, large fleets. And what comes with that is um, when they make a sale, it actually comes with uh, maintenance contracts attached. So the larger their ship, ship fleet grows, the larger their recurring revenues build up. Right. And that's actually the go here. I, I think this is worth watching. The valuation looks interesting. I can see what management is trying to do and it makes sense. Executing in a very large business like this with, um, with, with, with a powerful customer base is not easy, but um, I would watch this and I would watch for how, um, how their maintenance contracts um, fall to the bottom line. Yeah. What you want to see is that they're winning not only builds, 
but they're, meaning they're winning the long-term cash flows that comes with each construction. Yeah. And if you can keep an eye on that, and if that keeps growing, then that's actually the, that's so the case here. It's like the manufacturing equivalent of SAS. Is that it is actually <laughs> yes, that's right. It, it's a it's an aluminium boat SAS yeah. with a service. With, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the next thing, isn't and, it? SAS. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they've used it in their presentation. <laughs> and and car dealers do this as well. Yes, they do. You yes. Know, they make a small margin on selling Correct. the car. Yep. It's a service, it's a service. cost of bringing that's it right. in. That you get Which is why electric cars are such a big threat to dealers. Yeah, yeah. 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 It changes their model Absolutely. quite a bit. So you're not saying a buy yet, but watch it. It's, it's worth I'll watching. Buy. There's a few more data points you want to watch out because this is, has a long history of mediocrity. I think it's well managed. It's a hard business to get right. Um, but keep an eye on it. it okay. I agree the valuation is attractive. All right. Faye wants a view on Commonwealth Bank, biggest of our big four. Yeah, look, I, I have no special insight in Commonwealth Bank. I've been wrong on Commonwealth Bank for 10 years. It's always looked very expensive, and yet it's always done okay. Uh, we ho oh, we own a smidge of CBA in one of our portfolios. I don't own it personally. I've never owned a bank personally, and I never would. I, I just think that these are, this is a strong franchise. It's really well covered. It's difficult to get an original insight. Yeah. The only way I'd buy this is if there's some sort of um, credit panic and, um, and people think it's going to fail. That's right. Yeah. Um, so okay. look, it, it's fine. I think the dividend's quite safe. It's, it's a very well-managed business. It's miles ahead of its peers in Australia. If you're going to be a bank, this is the one to go to. It's always looked expensive, but I think that's yeah. well justified. So hold. If you're an income yeah. investor, this is probably fine. Yeah. Uh, look, around October, uh, banks were cheap. It didn't matter which one you bought. Yeah. They were actually statistically cheap. Um, and the value growth yield trade was going to, uh, from growth to value, yeah. was going to substantially favor them because of the yield rebound. And it was just a macro trade. Globally, every bank ran, and yeah. so did ours. Yeah. Now, our banks, the interesting part about it is it's got nothing to do with local investors or the fund managers. It's purely a global play. So, because it's pretty much a government-backed industry, yeah. right? It's a cartel that's backed by the government. So you can't really blow up because if they do, the government bails you out. Now, the great thing about that is so they play the currency trade. So if the Aussie dollar is going up, you buy the banks. Yep. If the Aussie dollar is falling, you sell the banks. And because that's what they're going to do, and they're the biggest gorilla in town, and when they do, the stock moves. So the stock price of all the banks have bounced, and they've all come back because currency mm -hmm. ran up to nearly 80 cents, and you had the yields bounce, everything, bing, bing, macro trade, they've run. Yep. Now they're back to, I mean, Combank is trading at pre-pandemic levels. Yeah. Now it's. It's laughable because the industry is much worse and the property is, you know, I think today's paper said APRA is running away from the property bubble. It's not our problem. Yeah, uh, yeah good luck with that. <laughs> uh, so in that context, I think the banks as a model will struggle, but it's a macro trade. So if you look at it relative to where industri industrials are so bloody high because of techs and healthcare, resources look ridiculously cheap, even though they ran because they've got the upside and the growth side of it. Yeah. The banks are actually okay. So their banks trade with the market. So if the market's up 10%, the banks are going to be up 10%. If the market's down 10%, so is the banks. So in that argument, I wouldn't buy the banks here. Um, and Combank, you know, this is the big three, right? Uh, if you look yeah. at the big three sectors, BHP, Combank, and CSL, they are the big three of the main sectors and they determine what happens to the market. So if the market falls, CBA is going to fall. Yeah. So it here, I would be taking profit. But the thing to remember, it's just a currency trade. So the Aussie dollar is starting to roll over. US dollar is bouncing on a risk-off yep. trade. So as the Aussie dollar comes off, so will the banks. But when that stops and the US dollar gets back into the slide again, because inevitably they're going to keep printing and US dollar will slide, 
then you buy the banks. It's a crap model. They have no <laughs> growth. You buy it for the simple reason that the global guys, the macro trade, is forced to buy the banks. And they will buy the banks for the currency. So as the currency runs up again, and I'm almost certain that the currency will go past 80 cents in the next cycle. Yeah. When that happens, you buy the banks and you'll get 10, 15%. And not and because the business is good, not because the sector is good, I, it's just a trade. Okay. It's worth quickly noting that um, retail investors have this, this love affair with Aussie banks because they think they're better than the rest of the world. And the truth is that Aussie banks make the same return on assets as every other bank in the world does, about 1% return on assets. The reason their return on equity is so high is because all their assets are in mortgages yeah. and you can leverage up mortgages. So it's, it's debt. It's leverage yeah. that, that causes high returns on Aussie banks. It's because the, their books are filled with, with mortgages. Okay. So there's no magic going on here. Yeah. It's just uh, these guys are very highly exposed to property. I think that's an area and of risk. Yeah. And they're even more now because they've divested every other piece out yes, of it. Yes, they have. Yeah. So they're just they a have. pure yeah. property yeah, yeah. plan. Okay. All right, uh, Nathan, Andrew wants a view on a uh, quick fee. Andrew says, I've been watching for a while, jumped mm. in recently after directors in the Thorny Group have been adding to their positions with a small market cap. Does it have room to grow? Of course, there are um, online lending and payments uh, business mainly to professional service firms. They pay invoices and in advance. Yeah, Oof. It's, a, it's a couple of tricky spots there. Uh, one, tech, yeah. two, uh, <laughs> lending in this market. Um, you kind of have to say, so look at the size as well. That's another thing. So cross map a lot of these things. So yeah. micro caps have outperformed small cap by like 60, 70% over the last 12 months. Yeah. So being in the smaller one has worked real wonders for small cap fund managers. So they've gone smaller and smaller. Um, so this guy has been in a, QF is in a sector where all things have worked out in the last couple of years. So if yeah. you, what you've seen up to now is probably as good as the last couple of cycles. Now you're coming in late to the cycle. Would I be jumping into bet on things turning around when JobKeeper is going? There's a lot of industries that, especially small businesses, that yep. I'm still waiting to see how that plays out over the next couple of months. I think there'll be a fair amount of chop, chop and change. And there'll be, a, my guess is around 20% won't come back right. uh, because they have to play, pay catch up. So in that context, I think it gets hard. I just think that it's just a tough play for me on the macro side. Yep. It looks interesting, but look, again, everyone knows all of these stocks. You know, yep. if, you, if you don't know that fintechs are hot, you got a problem, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you need to get out a bit more. So yeah. everyone knows. So trying to pick the turn in fintechs right now is probably not the best answer. Okay. These guys solve a legitimate problem. It's a really interesting business idea. Um, probably highlights my own biases more than anything else. I've got a few rules um, when I'm investing, and one is that the, the integrity of management is, is paramount. Um, the way they present numbers really matters to me, and I just won't invest if I doubt those numbers. Yeah. There are, there's just, I, I hate the way these guys present their numbers. They report right. something called adjusted EBITDA, and they basically take all their costs out of their EBITDA and present it as profit. And magically, oh. a reported loss turns into a nice big fat gain. Some of the costs they exclude include um, payments to staff via, via, via um, share payments. They don't count that. Right. They don't count software development costs. They don't count custom acquisition costs. 
This is laughable. Well, they capitalise that to the balance. No, they just right? exclude it, and it report adjusted oh. um, EBITDA. They just completely ignore it. This exclude is, this it. Is, yeah. This is classic dot com. How can no, you're yeah. right? Actually, yeah. this is classic dot com. Adjusted. Yeah forecasted yeah. sales to, you know, price yeah. to sales. I mean, yeah. I don't what? understand. I, I, th I thought this was a joke. I, I mean, it, it looks like the insiders own a big chunk of equity. They're actually doing a nice job managing the business. It's an interesting business. Yeah. Why do they have to do play games like that? Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I will not invest alongside a management team who's telling me they're making right. money when they're not. Okay. Um, so, All right. No. Pretty clear. Mm. Uh, Jamie uh, Gorev wants a view on hotel property investments. Now, mm. this is a big property portfolio that lease back to mm. Woolies, don't they? Coles. And, and Coles. Yeah. To Coles, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've owned uh, this for a long time. Massive portfolio. Huge it? portfolio, mostly yeah. in Queensland. Yeah. Um, and it takes advantage of this wacky law in Queensland where if you want a bottle, if you're opening a bottle shop in Queensland, you have to have a pub license right. to own a bottle shop, and so consequently, when uh, Coles, um, all of Coles's liquor businesses have HBI pubs attached to them, right. so the HBI HBI properties are actually indispensable to Coles um, to allow mm -hmm. them to sell liquor. Right. So it's actually quite a powerful position they're in. Uh, it's got a really solid income base. Um, Coles sold the uh, um, the management of these pubs to KKR, which is a a famously um, savvy uh, private equity private group. Equity, yeah. And one of the problems, the reason why I think that share price has not moved, is that two thirds of the of the locations are, are up for lease, release. Um, in the next 18 months. Oh, right. And you're no longer dealing with Coles, you're dealing with a bunch of cold-hearted PE guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think there's some skepticism. They're the barbarians at the gate. Indeed, they? yes, yes, that's right. Great book Famous. if you haven't read it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bounced back. What, what are you getting in for? Your upside is probably 10%. I mean, you get a good yield, you've got good protection, you get the risk with it. Um, I, I just don't see the huge upside what you're getting in for. If you're playing the yield thematic, um, Again, I think you've got to be careful in the current cycle. Everyone is after the yield thematic, so most of the yield thematic that's relatively lower risk are priced in for that. Yep. So you're not getting something that the market doesn't know. Um, so I, I think you're, you're pretty much fairly priced, I would say, um, and the risk is fairly you know, priced in. So I wouldn't say you're buying something that's going to move it a fair bit. If you're there for, as Guru said, there are better, higher quality businesses that's probably got more upside on a turnaround in the longer term like i mean i look at someone like an auckland international airport or so you know those kind of assets that's going to be around for a long time mm. and you know they've got a development project so you know if you're looking at two or three years down the track they're going to be there paying a good yield hell i would even buy telstra mind you we bought it at 280 you buy it here because when it breaks up you get the infrastructure asset you can hold that and flip the other one and make money on it as well so yeah. we own telstra too yeah. so oh, i, I think too. there is a lot of ways <laughs> i've ever heard him have a nice word about Telstra. So <laughs> I don't know. We've been, we've been, we've been, we've been talking it up uh, yeah. recently. <laughs> Everything has a price. Mm. Uh, 280 <laughs> looks good, uh, not at five bucks. <laughs> but look, I think there are a lot of places where there is structurally things happening that will give you an upside while you're getting a good yield. Yep. I don't see the huge upside. Okay. All right, Patrick wants a view on medical developments, oh, uh, yes. international. Uh, they're the own. Their most famous product is the green whistle, the green whistle trauma whistle, but they have a few other products that they're yeah, look, out and about. I, I've, I've followed this for a, a long time. There's a number of people I know who have ridiculous amount of this from back in the day, and they've done really well. Um, a couple of brokers actually bought a 
crap load and then broke to everyone else and all these guys bought into it and there was like a Ponzi scheme. I think it ran to about $11, $12. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. The thing here is it's about the FDA approval and into the US market. Yep. If and when they do do that, this thing goes back to 10 to $15. Yeah. Now, the question is when? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a problem. It could be, and they've had delays, right? So this could take a bit of time, but I like it. It's a product that's being used. It's not like it's a, you know, they're testing in something. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's also a potential answer to the opioid problems mm -hmm. that the US face. So there's a structural replacement cycle that they could benefit from. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting one. I, I, it, it hasn't performed well. There's no doubt. No. But it is one that I think it's an interesting one because it actually has a product that's being used and it's proven to work. So in that context, it ticks a lot of boxes. But the main game is, forget everything else, the main game is getting into the US market. Yeah. If and when they do, this thing goes 10 to $15. Because in January, they said they had positive exchange with the US FDA. Yeah. At the meeting in January and awaiting for a final post-meeting note regarding its path forward. Yeah, that's, uh, look, I've followed biotechs for decades, yeah, yeah. and some of them take decades, some of them mm. take even longer than decades. <laughs> so, you know, that's why uh, you have to be skeptical. But look, it's not priced for a lot of things going right at this point. Right. And, you know, again, these things, as with any biotechs, will burn money and, you know, they'll raise yeah. money and so forth while they're waiting for this to happen. Well, they've got a real product. They do have a real product, that, that's, that's the big thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, we talked about VGL. You know, people are willing to buy techs that has not proven who they are. And I go, this is a biotech, actually has a product that I go, wow. And, it's, you know, Star Pharma was one who was go, oh, we already know about it. But it actually has a proper product yep. and it makes money. So in that context, I think it actually has a product. So again, out of the biotechs, this is one I am actually keeping, keeping an eye on. Look, it's one where you rather let it run on the good news and then chase it rather than go in and buy because it could right. be doing nothing for a while. So, okay. you know, I would look at it, it. If, if it pops anywhere near six bucks, I'd start buying. Okay. Yeah, one of Nathan's many flaws <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is, a, is a penchant for um, biotechs, which yeah. I've never understood. Right. Right. But then I've, I've kind of got a soft spot for miners, right? So I think um, we're probably yeah. even yeah. there. You balance each other out. <laughs> Um, I think this is quite misunderstood. Um, so they do the green whistle, which yeah. is Penthrox. The, yeah. the drug is called Penthrox. It's been around a long time. It was banned from the US, I would say under dubious circumstances. Um, but it's been very successful here in Australia. Uh, Medical Developments does not own the, own the monopoly on Penthrox. They don't own the uh. actual drug they own the delivery system, which is the, the whistle. Yeah. So what you're buying here is not really a drug business. It's kind of a consumable business. Right. Um, there's no patent protection on the drug. Anyone can make Penthrox. Anyone can give it to anyone. Right. I'm not sure that equals a good business. They have genuine innovation in the whistle. So what they do is it's a delivery system designed for small molecules, and they can manufacture and then, and then squirt small molecules cheaper and more effectively. So there is something to it. But, but these are not the Penthrox guys. These, the, the, I think right. there's, I'm not sure a lot of people understand mm. that. I think right. I've heard too many times that these guys have a monopoly on Penthrox and they do not. Right. That means the moat here is very thin. If you're in agony, you know, on the football <coughs> field or in the, in the ambulance, I don't think you care who has the, uh, who gives you the drug, what <laughs> color the whistle the is. Yeah, yep. you just want the drug, right? Yep. So I think the, the upside here is probably capped. Um, one thing I will say is that they've assembled an absolute crack executive team, which makes me think twice. 
and they are focusing on other drugs and they're focusing on using that small molecule technology to both manufacture and deliver other drugs. So there is potential here worth paying for. I probably not my sort of thing, but I, I would follow it for, for the for the very good executive team and for just to see how they go with this other drug development. It's interesting, so I'll pop up okay. on the watch list. But I would also I always compare it to Star Farmer to a certain extent because Star Farmer is better than this. It is, mm. but they also had mostly, if you kind of remove a bit of the, the marketing pitch, it's a delivery mechanism. Oh, okay, all right. So they've yeah. used it in multiple layers yeah. now, yeah. and now they're beginning to take advantage of it because it's like if you've got a unique tech. And then you can put mm. other things into it. Mm. So yeah. this is a, you know, I know it's a far-fetched story, but it, it is a platform type approach where once you have that pathway, oh, you can put more things into it. I know. Do you see I what know. we've done? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've, we've, All right, done. we've got to keep moving though. <laughs> once I hear an idea, we'll keep moving. Um, Grant yeah. might want to be on Rio. Rio, Rio yes. So we've had a, a sell on Rio Tinto for some time, and that's partly because I'm not all that keen on INOR at the moment. Right. INOR looks crazy. Yeah. The mm. returns on, on assets for any decent iron ore miner, you don't have to be top tier, they're approaching triple digits at the moment. It is, yeah. everyone is, is hounding everyone to look for iron ore. Yeah. It, there's supply coming, the price cannot last where it is. So for that alone, I'd be, I'd be selling, but I think there are deeper problems in Rio Tinto. The great thing about commodity booms is that they mask um, a lot of um, problems elsewhere yep. in the business. Now you, you leave iron ore to one side, Rio is having serious issues in their copper business. The aluminium business is a dud. It is a dud. They spent tens of billions of dollars on that business. They've written off tens of billion dollars and they're still generating four or five percent <coughs> returns on assets. That's not good enough. I, I think they should just sell aluminium. Right. Uh, it's a very competitive business. You've got national um, power companies and, and national miners not really trying to make a profit and you're competing with them. I don't think they're ever going to make money. That's um, sort of two-thirds of the asset base <coughs> makes no money. I, I right. just think this is, um, they need a real rethink here. Fresh management needs to come in and look at the um, the composition of assets the way BHP did okay. um, a little while ago. So yeah, Self BHP's me, a bit of my, there is now They've often been very close. BHP's a miles better business mm. now than okay. they are. Oh, look, we, we've been long miners since the middle of last year, and now all the numbers actually stacked up till iron ore went a bit haywire, went <laughs> um, even mm. the most optimistic guy didn't see it here for this long. I think it's gradually coming off, and that's logical. China's doing a lot of things to slow down um, steel production, pollution problems, so forth, and they've squeezed out credit as well. So in that context, things are going to slow down. Now, we actually had BHBM Rio in our models, uh, but we took out Rio uh, for the mm. basic reason Same that risk. there was a bit more risk and yeah. also the diversification is better in BHP. So we've actually, a as the market ran up and every man and his dog now talks about reflation and resources being the beneficiary, um, we've actually removed a lot of single commodity dominant exposure and we've gone to the most diversified. So we're sitting in things like BHP, IGO, South32, and, and those are the ones that we are playing through. Right. So it gives us a bit more diversified play and also they tend to be, they're not sexy. People are going yeah. for the massive exposure so the risk return is actually still pretty good. So we've kind of gone through. So if you want, if you're playing the whole big minor safety play, I know exposure, I'd probably still play BHP over Rio mm. any day of the week. Okay, all right. Let's recap the first five stocks and the stock of the day. Ostal was our stock of the day. A yes from Nathan uh, Gorab's got it on his watch list. 
CBA a hold from uh, from Gorab no, from uh, Maytham Quick Fee a no, from both Hotel Property a no. Um, Gorab preferreds um, ALE. Uh, medical developments um, a watch from uh, Gorab. Maytham's also got it on the watch. If it picks back up to six dollars, that's a good sign, and uh, it moved from a watch to uh, seriously looking at it. Rio is a sell. From, um, from Gorab and a no from Maiton. Here at the call, we've got our own fantasy portfolio, thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. Uh, we've been tracking it since July 1. Any stocks that get two thumbs up uh, go into the portfolio. Um, um, if those stocks come up again for, uh, in front of our expert panel and don't get unanimous approval, they then go out again. Uh, how are we going for the week? We're up a percent for the month, three percent, almost twenty-six percent for um, the financial year since the first of July. Uh, look here, some of the stocks recently added. Here come the Muppet grumpy old men. Um, Western areas added. Super retail, brain chip, evolution mining. Yeah, yeah, it's a term. Uh, I told you. Event hospitality and entertainment. Uh, that was some smart blokes, that, on that one. Omni Bridgeway, that was yours again. Yeah, yeah, uh, stocks yeah. removed. Incitec Pivot. What? And, uh, <laughs> Why? <laughs> Who likes a problem? No, that was the right call. And, yeah. and, and, and Premier Investments. <laughs> oh, yeah, that up there. Okay, all right. <laughs> I love oh. the sound effects. Um, we yeah. did try yeah. and get the Muppet, <laughs> the grumpy old man. We're having trouble getting approval to put it on Osbiz, but it's still on my list to have on. <laughs> Selling incident, Peter. Seriously. Um, <laughs> if you want to look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, coming up after 1pm, Ron, Ron Shamgar from Temen Asset Investment will take us through his three microcap picks that are going to grow fast. That's just after 1pm. All right, let's get into the uh, second half of the call. Uh, Maytham Pacific Smiles Group, the uh, roll-up dentists, uh, just gone through a big fundraise as well to open 15 new dental centres um, in FY21. What do you think of Pacific Smiles? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one where you always look at go, these guys can't be doing that well. And then... The you guys don't friends, understand. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree. Yeah. But they, they have. They have mm. and, and it's one of those ones where... The, the deals that they have actually works really well for them. And yep. they've done really well and it's been, and it's one of those things where it's a bit, it's a lesson through the pandemic, the whole healthcare sector, who did well, the diagnostics, the dental, they, those guys, people play catch up. Because yep. you've got to get it done. So you go back and everyone plays catch up and gets the services. So they do actually recover their revenue relatively quickly. So I think those models work well. It's one where, you know, if you asked me two years ago... I, I go, told you about it two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I know, I know. But as usual, I went, ah, oh, you're kidding me. Uh, I said, this is not sexy. Nobody's going to care. It's not going to do much. Yeah. And then you look at it and go, it's, an, it's one of those ones that proved their model through the pandemic. Yeah. And it's like Sonic. It's like IDX. It's like uh, ca even Capital Health. Uh, all of those diagnostics, healthcare services, yeah. they prove themselves. And this is one of them. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I, I probably wouldn't have paid as much attention you know, pre like pre pandemic, but now you know they are showing how good that model okay. is. So yeah, it's look up again. It's just would you buy looks, it at this level? Look, the thing is the ma the management. You're backing the management to execute that you know yeah. acquisition model in a rising yield environment. That's always tough, but their track record has been pretty good. So I have to say, uh, you you want to be backing them, and 
And reality is, if you're in it, I wouldn't sell it. Yeah, would I be jumping in? It's come back a bit. Uh, you know, it's it's. I don't think anything's wrong with it. I think the multiples look okay. okay. Um, in in a weird way, I would normally yes. say, don't go no. near this one. But, <laughs> but it actually makes it. sense. Yeah. Go near it. All yeah. right. I mean, this is actually one of my um, personal holdings uh, as well, and. People do not understand this. This is completely misunderstood by most analysts and certainly it's starting to get understood by the market a bit better now. Um, they don't go around buying um, dentists and then employing them. Yeah. Um, they build dental offices. Um, they employ nurses. Um, they provide uh, consumables. Um, and the dentist yeah. then comes in and he, the, the, he or she will take um, uh, 35 to 40% of the revenues that, that the dental surgery owns, oh. but they schedule the appointments, they control the customer, oh. um, they're in charge, they pay 60% 60 to 65% of the, of the, of the center um, revenues as fees to Pacific Smiles, right. um, who then provide all those um, services. So these right. guys, so it enables the dentist okay. just to be dentist, but it doesn't. So instead of a serviced them. office, this is a serviced dentist. That's the correct type model. Thing. That's right. This ah. is ServeCorp for dentists. It's like ServeCorp for dentists. It's like a retail broker. Um, yeah. Yeah. Advisors come in, they pay a fee of all the transaction. Yeah. That's it. And and funny enough, that type yeah. of model is now translating to a lot of places. Now, the beautiful thing about it is that when they build a new center, they actually open up three or four dental chairs. Um, but it takes three or four years for those chairs to build up. It takes a few years for the, oh. the surgery to get, um, to get clientele. So the initial returns on capital actually don't look very good. So every time they open a new center, they actually lose money. The faster they grow, the worse the accounting actually looks, right. the worse their return on capital looks. But when they finally stop growing, and the reason that the share price has shot up recently is because during the pandemic, they stopped opening centers. Uh, so all of a sudden you could see, okay, okay if once they're not growing, these guys have outstanding economics. Mm. I estimate they make a 40% return on cap incremental capital. Every time they open a new dental center, three or four okay. years later, we're looking at 40% increase. Right, so in you're capital. at $2.50, they just it. raised money at two sixty to open yeah. 15 more. Yeah. My, my one problem with this, I think the management team is fantastic. They voluntarily handed back bonuses during right. um, the pandemic. These are a great um, incentivized and talented management team. My one beef with them is that they pay too high dividends. This right. is a business that makes, um, as I said, about 40% returns on incremental capital if they invest in their centers. Instead of investing in their centers fast, they're paying silly dividends to right. investors who demand them. So I think they should chop the dividend cut the debt down and then open up faster. Oh. Um, but and they, we've let management know as well, but so but far- probably, um, Are they the sure, main, yeah. they're big shareholders, right? They are, it's backed by a very sharp PE firm um, who has, right. have you ever seen this before? Um, TDM who actually floated this business um, years ago and now on market, they've been buying back stock. They own more stock now than they did when they floated oh, no. the business. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen oh, that. No, not that not from a PE firm. They flog it to everyone else. Because yeah. they thought that this is yeah. the end of it. But the problem exactly. they've got is a marketing one. Everyone thinks these guys are a dental roll up, so they get priced yeah. next to 1300 yeah. smiles. Yeah, and yeah. The rest of this is a much better business than that. Yeah. So 250, Buy. would you keep buying? Buy. Okay. Um, now, another favourite of yours, Aussie Broadband. Oh, yes, that is a favourite of mine. Yeah, yeah, you. Told yeah. everyone to get into it soon after the IPO yeah. because you're really impressed with what they were doing, even though it was a crowded market because they were going for high-end users. Mm. Um, what do you think of it now? I still think this is um, this is very reasonable. 
Uh, look, geez, that looks scary, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Now, we, we started buying at $2. Yeah. Um, we tried to get stock um, at the IPO, but couldn't get any. And yeah. um, it was only at $2 that we, we got some. I own it personally, again. Um, I think this is a wonderful business um, yep. that, again, has not been adequately recognized as such because it is a NBN reseller. And yep. NBN resellers, as everyone knows, make no money. Yeah. So it's been compared and against... And a dime a dozen. Exactly. Uh, there are, what, um, 90 competitors? Yeah. But these guys started in regional Victoria with nothing. And they all of a sudden have uh, three and a half, four percent of the market. Yeah. They're the fourth biggest um, NBN You're provider. You're saying great customer service, go for a high volume yep. premium market. Premium is market. So what, what the secret to their profitability is that they cherry pick the most profitable customers. Yeah. Um, about 40% of all their customer base pays more than $100 a month for NBN. The equivalent for um, the rest of the NBN market is between eight and ten percent. Um, so they are, and in terms of market share, they're actually getting about eight out of ten of every new customer who's paying hundred dollars and more. They're all going on um, Aussie broadband. Okay. They're building their own fiber business, which will increase margins. Uh, I still think that this this business is going to be earning fifty million dollars quite comfortably in two or three years' time, which puts it on a ten times EV EBITDA okay. multiple. So this price it's still fine. Be buying yeah, too. I'd be buying. Okay. Yeah, look, this sector, the mm. whole telecom sector, I mean, usually this is a diabolical sector, I mean, mm. globally. Uh, mm. It's crap. Diabolical. <laughs> it just <laughs> never makes any real returns. I yep. mean, it's the guys, online guys who make the money. But the sector has turned around, and when the biggest gorilla is going through change, everyone is changing, and the new guys are doing well. I, I have to say, there's a lot of stocks of interest. There's a lot of M&A going, there's a lot of divestment going. Mm. This sector is definitely in play. Um, I tend to not go for IPOs till they go through at least a 12-month time frame for us to get some data together. Uh, so I'd I've never understood that, I've got to say. Yeah. The IPO gives you so much historical data. Yeah. I agree that a lot of it can be yeah. fudged, but there are tricks to, to knowing you know, what's being uh, yeah. fudged. And, uh, you, yeah. you trust people, I don't. Uh, <laughs> so I, I tend to get listed data, mm. and the listed data is huge. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're still not 100% bulletproof, right? There's, there's always been yeah. a big gun here and there. Mind you, I looked at big gun and I said, what the hell? And then, you know, it went up four times or something. Uh, but then it crashed. But it's one of those things where, yeah, we tend to wait for the data to play out, so I'd be waiting. But look, I, I have to say, the whole sector looks interesting. We like Telstra. TPG, I know you guys laughed when I said it'll come back a bit and I'll buy it. It's actually now in an interesting territory. I, I think you want to look at it. I mean, David Teo's mm. Is that coming on. up today? Huh? Is that up no, today? No, no, no. Oh, okay, right. I, I saw that he was resigning yeah. and I went, oh, Grant would be wanting to talk about it. I don't know but if we want to talk about it now, but... Um, quickly, uh, we can. Yeah, we, we've owned it for a while and we sold. You sold? Yeah. You sold oh, and you're okay. buying. Mm. Well, uh, it's in the interesting territory. I'm waiting for something to turn around. I mm. think the interesting is going to be what happens out of Telstra. I'm just waiting to see what happens yeah. out of Telstra. That kind of sets out the market. So I'm waiting to see the next data points out of all of them. Hmm. But the sector is definitely hot. The, the chairman, the, no, he's not only the chairman, he's not only the founder, he's the most highly regarded, savviest um, telco executive yeah. in the country. Yeah. He wakes up one morning, tells no one, and leaves the business immediately. Yeah. That's not the way it's usually done. That's just a huge red flag. And yeah. maybe it's nothing. But my, my philosophy yeah. is if you're going to panic, panic early. Yeah. And so we did that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and if, uh, they don't explain it properly. No, there's no explanation. That's why I want to I want to wait for the yeah. next weird. data point in TPG. Yeah, it's weird. If yeah. there is no landmines, I think it looks interesting. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I agree. So I'm terrible I for investor relations. Yeah. 
But it is, it is actually a statistical fact when long-serving founding CEOs, management guys walk out, I'd say probably about a 70% probability that you should flick okay. it without looking. All right. Let's keep moving. Uh, ben, make the want to view on elders, the big... Um, yeah. Basically, call it the big ag group. Anything yeah. to do with agriculture, it's mm. got a finger in, whether it be property yeah. or transport. That's, or, that's why when I a, saw you guys a, removed Instech Pivot, <laughs> seriously. It's, this is almost like an agricultural ETF. It is. It is. It's it it's like buying BHP for miners. Yeah, yeah. When you don't know what to do, just buy that. Yeah. Um, and most people did. Now, yeah. this is priced, uh, again, Agriculture stocks you buy when nobody wants to touch it, yep. yeah. and you sell when everyone knows it's Correct. good, right? Yes. Elders is actually pricing in an upgrade. Everyone knows an upgrade is coming. Yeah. So when an upgrade comes, it's don't get excited because everyone knows, yeah. everyone knows, right? Yeah. So in that context, it's pricing in a fair bit. Now, how does the, so the floods and so forth play out? For the domestic, that's the other risk, right? Because it's regional, it's Australia, it's yeah. predominantly. Wow. So that's why I like that the Institute pivot. Yeah, the time yeah. to buy this was in is in the in the drought. So, yeah. so yeah. when yeah, exactly that was the yeah. case, and the first set of rain coming, buy. Mm -hmm. Now that pullback actually made sense. On the pullback, it actually got to relative value territory. I looked at it and said, look, the rain data for the next six months is going to be fine. Farmers yeah. are, should be doing well. So at least for the next six months, you're okay. So I expected this to go. So at twelve twelve fifty. It's actually trading at two standard deviation premium, given their volatile history, given the whole cycle. So at twelve fifty was a sell. So where we are now, I'd be flicking out. I'd expect the right. fund managers will be flicking it out yep. uh, on a relative basis for the agri exposure. Look, prices are going to go up because the food prices are rising sure. everywhere, right? I would That's look at Instec Pivot and New Farm as right. a similar mm. kind of exposures, and they are much more diversified globally. Okay. So I think fertilizer prices are doing well. I'm not selling mm. Instec Pivot. Yeah, classically cyclical, you, uh, I'd be selling up here. Yep. The time to buy this is in the drought. Yep. We all knew that, I knew that, but I didn't buy it. Yep. You know why? Because it's <laughs> it a just mediocre business. Yeah, yeah. It is. It, because when it goes wrong, <laughs> yeah. it just looks crap. And every every, every wet season, we, yeah. the team gets together. Remember, elders in the drought, elders in the drought. <laughs> yeah. The drought comes, we don't want to buy elders. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a classic, I love it. you know, yeah. going from, it's a fear of getting smashed. I saw yeah. it happen you just again. Go, oh, I don't want to get I've in. I've seen it twice now. That yeah. whole conversation play out in the team. Exactly. Funny. Yeah. All right, mm. uh, Grab Jake wants to be on E-Road. Yeah. This is the tolling service provider. They also um, put measurement devices in trucks and fleet vehicles and things like that, aren't they? Very interesting stuff. And New Zealand. Yes, yes. the New Zealand tech I business. Did <laughs> I did see that. Well, we laugh when we say that, look at it, but we actually do look at almost every New Zealand tech business that yeah. comes onto the bourse. We, we give it a look and that's, not, that's also true for E-Roads. We've had a, a pretty good look at this as well. Interesting business. Um, what they do is they have a hardware software bundle the hardware collects a lot of data. Uh, the hardware is installed in trucks, I should say, and, yep. and other transport fleets. The hardware collects a lot of data, um, the, the tolling data, um, distance, um, a whole lot of things, um, invoicing, um, loads, all sorts of stuff. And then the software then helps um, with compliance, um, with safety, with regulation, uh, with payments and invoicing and all sorts of things. Um, so there's they even do transactions on the on the platform now. So yeah. there's three revenue streams here. You get you have to lease the hardware. You have to pay um, a SaaS type revenue for yeah. the software. And then every time there's a transaction on the platform, you have to pay a little bit for that as well. 
And these guys are the dominant provider in New Zealand. They've done really well to capture the New mm -hmm. Zealand market. And it's working in New Zealand. There's actually a good amount of growth. The metrics all okay. look great. Um, it's scaling nicely. The founder is fantastic. Um, he's a, he's, he started Navman years ago, and he's wow. come back to New, New really? Zealand. It's a very good pedigree. Yeah. The, the problem here is really, I mean, I still think this is worth keeping a very good eye on, but they're now moving over to the US, and the US has a completely different regulatory environment. Mm, yeah. This works in New Zealand because New Zealand has a sophisticated regime of road tolling, yeah. and a product like this is invaluable. In the US, the role tolling is, let's say, less sophisticated. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of fleet management competition. There are some really big competitors there. Right. And so they have to show, and recent, and recent data actually shows actually losing market share to those competitors, which right. is why the share prices come all the way back down. Right. It's gonna be hard slog for them, but I would say they have outstanding management. They have a proven mm -hmm. product. It's worth keeping an eye on. If okay. you want, for, for high risk investors, you can take a little speculative punt on this. I think that's, Okay. Um, perfectly fine. Okay. Yeah, sadly I have to agree. Um, I mean, for a tech, I always first sign in the current cycle, okay, whoa. But then you go, it's New Zealand. God yeah. damn it, you got to look at it. <laughs> and so you do. And he, Griff, right. It, it's an interesting one. And I think it's, it's also what's going to happen in the infrastructure side of things. I think it's going to be interesting to play oh, out okay. how in the next yeah. four to five years, not just on the whole fact that US is looking at trillions of dollars of infrastructure rebuild. On top of that, um, is what's going to happen with uh, car electric cars and how the tolling is yeah. going to work on that and how that's going to because there's obviously there's a lot of new uh, policies are being thrown around on yeah. how they can build because obviously government make a lot of money double added, taxing petrol petrol exactly yeah. so when that disappears they got to roll yeah. it out of us somehow Ooh, so yeah, they, so they, they are, there's going yeah. to be something and so having a structured tech solution mm -hmm. allows you to go through that process a lot easier. So okay. these guys are smart, and they've been there, and they're New Zealand. So yeah. you've got to think they've got an idea. So, so watch I'd, it, not buy it at the yeah, moment. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't mind buying a bit. Okay. And and then you know keeping an eye on it. Spec buy it. So yeah, you both got buy. it as a spec buy yeah. and yeah. watching it further. Okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting enough. Okay. Um, and finally, Maytham rent donk, rent .com .au. Bevan Slattery yeah. bought into this yeah. and uh, supercharged the share price. So let's yeah. now come back to Earth a bit. Um, they, they, they call themselves the Airbnb of rental properties. Yeah, uh, that's a big marketplace. Yeah, I know. Every time a company calls themselves the Whatever. insert big uh, in, in big uh, <laughs> tech name of another sector, yeah, yeah. it's almost always a warning yeah. sign. It's been around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. yep. um, it's in an industry that I, I kind of worry. I mean. Realestate.com bought Mortgage Choice today. No, yeah, that, I saw that. That was a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that <laughs> barely, you know, it's like going out for lunch and it barely touches your backside. I mean, it's just <laughs> barely a market cap mover. What? I was just like, uh, they want to do finance. Yeah, I understand. But this is not the way. But anyway, we'll see how they play no, I out. I disagree with that. I think it's a really sad It's, an, inter it's mm. an interesting move, what they want to do. Now, do I want to buy Mortgage Choice as the one to build my platform around? I was like, your real estate. This is mortgage <laughs> choice. But anyway, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, look, I, rents, Bevan Slattery, right? If he touches, everything turns to gold. So the market priced that in. It went yeah. from, what, three cents to, or four cents to 30 cents. Yeah. Um, so I'm not chasing it here as no. good as it may okay. be. The industry dynamics just doesn't excite yeah. me. This is actually Go a on. really interesting product. They've got a, um, a dedicated rental platform. They're solving a problem that very few uh, other tech companies have even bothered to, to touch. And they're doing it with the renters um, squarely in mind. They've got a revenue model. I think this is really interesting. I think the price is silly. 
Um, yeah. This whole Bevan Slattery thing is exactly what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this speculative yeah. um, uh, silliness that's going on in the market. Um, I wouldn't buy this now, but, but this is an interesting business. I keep the business on my radar. There's okay. some it's been good, around good stuff for happening. so long. At yeah. some point, it's going to come good. It's just <laughs> not right now for Japan. Uh, well, the uh, guys have come uh, home with a wet sail in the second half. Uh, Pacific Smiles, a yes from both, goes into the calls portfolio. Ooh. Aussie Broadband, a yes from Gorav, uh, a watch oh, from uh, Mathan. Uh, <laughs> both are saying sell elders. Yeah. Um, E-Road, a speculative buy, so yeah. that goes into the portfolio. And rent.com.au, a good business, but um, just too expensive at the moment. Nathan, good to see you, mate. Thank you for that. Gaurav, always great fun to have you two involved in the program. Uh, If you want to uh, send us any suggestions for stocks that you want us to take a look at, um, flick us an email at thecall.osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle, all the stocks in the calls portfolio, which now has Pacific Smiles and E-Road in it. Um, Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And don't forget, subscribe to uh, the COB, the Close of Business Ausbiz newsletter. You get Scuddy's view, a link to the podcast, popular videos in your um, email inbox at 5.30 every afternoon, the full wrap-up of the day. Startup Daily show from 2 p.m. Um, today, which always looks at the venture capital area, uh, companies seeking capital startups, scale-ups. Ben Armstrong from Atia Melbourne's first zero-carbon street food kitchen mm. is going to talk about his business and why he's setting it up and wants to expand it interstate. That's coming up on the Startup Daily Show. Enjoy the rest of the day. The team will be back after this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.